From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Baghel and this is the Times of India podcast. This weekend, first Pakistan and then India celebrated the Independence Day. But even as we savor our sovereignty and stability, yet another country in the neighborhood finds itself in the midst of a deadly civil war. After the withdrawal of the Americans, an emboldened Taliban has marched relentlessly across Afghanistan, taking control of 19 of the country's 34 provinces. And on Sunday, the Taliban moved into the capital, Kabul, cornering elected President Ashraf Ghani and plunging the country into violence, political strife and a deep humanitarian crisis. My colleague Indrani Bakhchi, the paper's diplomatic editor, has written about the Taliban from the first time they came into prominence in the 1990s, when, in a march that is eerily similar to the one that's going on now, the Mujahideens had swept across the country and toppled the then-president Mohammad Najibullah's elected government. I asked Indrani to explain how this version of the Taliban is different from its previous avatars, the role that the Pakistani deep state is playing in propping up the Taliban, and what are the implications of this turmoil for India. Indrani, Kunduz, Badakhshah, Ghazni, Kandahar, Herat, and now the Taliban insurgents have entered Kabul. You must be getting a sense of acute deja vu watching this sort of uh, implacable takeover. How is this Taliban government different from the Mujahideens of the 1990s who had toppled Najibullah's government in terms of military strategy and strength? Their military strategy is a much more evolved military strategy. For instance, they took the northern provinces first. And if you remember, the last time their main opposition actually came from the north, the Northern Alliance, uh, the Tajik groups, the Ahmad Shah Massoud, uh, Ismail Khan, Dostam, almost all of them are in the north and the west. And the Taliban actually took those areas first. They also took the border posts. The border posts, one is uh, the revenue from the border trade. The second is a sense that if you control the border, that you control, uh, there is a sense of government, of authority. And they've been moving across the rural hinterland fast which is not surprising because the rural hinterland, a lot of it is Hindi populated. But they left the cities until the bulk of the American troops had left. So they're taking the cities towards the end. And that was because when once they take the rural areas, they bring pressure on the cities. Mm. And that makes it easier to get the cities. So the last few days, there's been a lot of... Um, cities and provincial capitals that have fallen to the Taliban. So they've been, it's a lot more coherent, a lot more organized than before. So that's a change. So two things arise from this. One is, of course, the humanitarian crisis, especially for Afghan women. And the second one is the abject surrender of the Afghan national forces. Are you surprised that the Afghan national forces should surrender so quickly, given the many years of training that they had received from the Americans? I don't think we've even seen the 
crisis actually it's not a full blown crisis yet we know where it is going because we can see the the first signs of it of women being told not to reveal their slippers of reports of women not being allowed to step out of the homes uh, of women being forcibly married off to fighters etc we've seen these reports but i would say this is just the tip of the iceberg i don't think we've even scratched the surface of the kind of humanitarian disaster this might become um that's all on this your second question on the ansf um i think the answer is not it's not a simple answer for one look at it this way the last one year they haven't had a defense minister asadullah khalidu was injured and he was he's been sick and dani has not replaced him but that is only 2020 i think this goes back all the way to 2001 2002 when from many of the us national security council staffers who are there who have been on the afghanistan desk for so many years they will tell you that you know for the first few years it was under resourced it was not like the us attention in terms of money or in terms of training was consistent or fully resourced it wasn't on the afghan side after all there are tribal loyalties there has been massive corruption and there has been very little attempt to control that corruption that's there third in the most recent times in the most recent years we've seen a palpable lack of political leadership when you have political leaders uh, like gani and abdullah constantly scrapping with each other factionalism in the afghan government it's bound to affect the forces then fourth a number of people have told me this which is when the afghan fought with the americans it was the americans doing everything the afghans were actually being supplemental forces if you know what i mean a lot of that i think when they were literally thrown off the deep end of the pool when the americans um, abandoned post that's a hugely demoralizing situation with no aircraft with no support staff with no maintenance it was very difficult for them to sustain themselves besides the taliban were doing what people in that part of the country world normally do which is when they were taking over the villages the areas where ansf soldiers are recruited from and taking over those villages taking over the families and controlling them then it also becomes easier to control the fighters on the other side uh, when you know you say that i have your family under my control then how much are you going to be able to fight them the likelihood there's going to be the taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely what you just heard that's joe biden from a month ago and now he's scrambling to send 3000 american soldiers to assist partial evacuation of the us embassy staff in afghanistan the republicans are calling this joe biden saigon moment which is when at the end of the humiliating vietnam war trapped american embassy staffers were evacuated from uh, saigon rooftops by the us helicopters indori what do you make of all this i think uh, it has been america's saigon moment uh, 
for the past few years. And yes, it is landed on Joe Biden's lap and it is Joe Biden's uh, Saigon moment. However, if Donald Trump had done this, what he, which he had wanted to do, it would have been Donald Trump's Saigon moment. The thing is, this Saigon moment was waiting to happen. Coming to India's involvement, I mean, we've read that the Salma Dam, which we helped build to irrigate the arid parts of Afghanistan, is now in Taliban's control. India has put in about $3 billion in development work. And we are also backing Ashraf Ghani's elected government. Uh, with the Taliban now in Kabul and Ghani on the brink of stepping down, where does that leave India? So, uh, India basically flourished, thrived in the last 20 years vis-a-vis Afghanistan. And we thrived because we built really close relations, invested deeply in Afghanistan, uh, not merely in the aid and assistance uh, sector, but in education, in building infrastructure, in building capacities, in building a lot of uh, you know roads, highways, dams, you name it. But all of it was also, we were also functioning under the security cover being provided by America. Officially, we rarely acknowledged that, but that was true because we could not put boots on the ground in Afghanistan. There would have yeah. been hell to pay there. But what we are seeing today, where we are today, going forward, we will be in a completely opposite space, as in we will be in a negative territory. We are not going to be putting boots on the ground there either. We are not going to be able to build roads, dams, whatever it was that we were doing in a Taliban system. It's not going to be easy for us at all. We are, we will be, we are one of the biggest losers as a result of the U.S. withdrawal in Afghanistan. So, what does a hostile Pakistan and the Taliban control of Afghanistan mean for India's security? I mean, because the last time they were in control. I mean, it didn't go down well for us, right? When Mullah Omar was in charge and we had the Kandahar hijacking. The easiest thing to imagine would be a rise in the number of terror attacks against India, more infiltration in Jammu and Kashmir. Those are the easy ones, which was one of the reasons why India went into Afghanistan in the first place, was development for a security purpose. That security purpose remains the same our tactics will have to change. We will now have to focus very squarely on securing the homeland. Because the Taliban, whatever they might say, are very, very close to the Pakistani security establishment, run by them, influenced by them, financed by them, supported in terms of weapons, supported in terms of refuge, uh, medical help, what have you. In a way, the Taliban are sort of a 80% owned subsidiary of the Pakistan security establishment. That makes the Taliban a very different kettle of fish where India is concerned. So that is something we all have to remember. And certainly all of us who believe that just talking to the Taliban would do the trick, the question that you need to ask them is, what is the trick? What trick? What do you expect them to do? Do we expect Hmm. them to make sure that the Pakistanis don't use Afghan territory to attack Indian interests? Do we use the Taliban to say that, oh, the Haqqani network really attacks us all the time, make sure that they don't? That's not going to happen. We can 
leverage our not talking to the Taliban in a diplomatic sense. But mm. uh, at this point, we are not in a good place. We are not in a good place. And I think that's pretty clear. India has been part of the sort of the Doha conference. Uh, you know, Doha has been called post box for anyone wanting to reach out to Taliban. Can you lay out for our listeners just what's going on there? I mean, India has a very small role to play there, right? Qatar uh, actually was the place where the Taliban had established an office. Qatar is the only country in the world that gave Taliban space to establish an office. And therefore, when Americans started talking to the Taliban a couple of years ago, they did that in Qatar. So there were two conversations initially going on. One was between America and the Taliban. The second, which came later, was people hoped that there would be a conversation between Taliban and the Ashraf Ghani government. Um, right now, there are a couple of conversations going on. One this week that happened on the 11th was the extended Troika, which is Russian-led, but it includes US, Russia, China, Pakistan. And uh, a second conversation was uh, with the Afghans, of course. And a second conversation included development partners like Norway, EU, India, etc. So we don't play a role in the security conversation or the intra-Afghan conversation. As uh, the Russian special envoy, Zamir Kabulov uh, says, why they keep India out. He says that India has no influence with the Taliban because of the India-Pakistan problem. They would rather not have India there, which is interesting because after 2001, when uh, America entered Afghanistan, India offered to play a security role in Afghanistan. The Americans rejected it, said that because of the Pakistan-India dynamic, it would complicate matters. And we've kept out of the security sector in Afghanistan for all these years, only because of the relations between India and Pakistan. And that itself, that is playing out again today because Pakistan controls the Taliban, as they all know, and is in the best place to influence the Taliban. India doesn't. And therefore, we are out of the security conversations. But they want us in on the development conversation because at some point, Afghanistan, we hope, will get back to a, a state of stability and peace. And at that point, India will be called upon yet again to help out in the development uh, sector. When the Taliban recently took over a key Afghan-Pakistani border crossing, residents on the Pakistani side seemed to celebrate, waving Taliban flags and honking horns. Recently, Afghan President Ashraf Ghani made a long-standing accusation. Pakistan provides insurgents safe haven. Inari, can you talk a little bit about the role of the Pakistani deep state and their nurturing of the Taliban in Afghanistan? It's also something that's come to haunt them too, hasn't it? Pakistan has consistently supported the Taliban. In all these years, when Pakistan has played what they call themselves a frontline ally of the US in the war against terror, Pakistan has never left the Taliban, has never given up on the Taliban. 
that investment has continued has flourished i mean it is not for nothing that bin laden was in pakistani territory it is not for nothing that the core uh, shura of the taliban which is the quetta shura is in quetta in balochistan you know the same mullah brother who leads the taliban uh, talks in doha with the world this mullah brother was in a pakistani prison for 9 years what leverage does the taliban provide pakistan pakistan reckons that if the taliban can control afghanistan they have afghanistan as a safe backyard or what the pakistanis like to call strategic depth so that mm-hmm. afghanistan they believe cannot be used by india against pakistan the thing is that along with the taliban also will go al qaeda the pakistanis biggest problem is what is called the tehreek-e-taliban pakistan as in the pakistani taliban which is opposed to pakistan and often operates in afghanistan against pakistan the tehreek-e-taliban operate on the pakistani side of the durand line which is the border between afghanistan and pakistan of course and it was they who were responsible for the assassination of benazir bhutto one day but they are different from the afghan taliban that we are discussing about today um yes they've been accused of even killing those nine chinese engineers in uh, dasu yes. just the other day but they've lessened in their intensity they've lessened in their i think that the pakistan establishment has really crippled the the pakistan taliban but one of the reasons for them to invest in the afghan taliban is this that they want to be able to roll up the pakistan taliban that operates on the other side of the durand line a third reason for it is that if they can control the afghan taliban which is a bindia pashtun organization then this cross pashtun affinity that has always scared pakistan because the durand line has not been accepted by any afghan till date and pashtuns on either side of the border if you look at the taliban if you look at a lot of al qaeda they are all pashtuns and uh, pashtuns on both sides of the durand line have tribal family uh, affinities which can at some point become a, a, a demand for a pashtunistan or a separate land homeland for the pashtuns which used to be there long time ago Taliban is their leverage in Afghanistan to be able to control that geographic space but also that ideological space Is there concern that we might be getting back to a pre 2001 kind of situation and that the west and india are particularly vulnerable If the Taliban come into power will they be the same kind of Taliban government that existed between 96 and 2001 I don't know maybe they have also taken lessons on how to at least improve their pr i don't know what kind of a government they will what kind of an authority they will they very clearly not a government they will be an emirate and they have said that so who will be the emir and what kind of an emirate will it be uh, that's one uh, if they provide safe haven to the is and the al qaeda and the etim the east hmm. turkestan the chinese uyghur uh, group um what does that make it i mean who will be in the crosshairs first my suspicion is the west will be in their crosshairs and uh, we will be next 
therefore we will have to be a lot more robust and a lot more proactive in securing our borders and amping up our counter terrorism capabilities in india today's episode was produced by arun george and joshua thomas for a daily spotlight on people ideas and stories that matter subscribe to us we are available on tui plus spotify apple google podcasts and all other platforms of your choice for any news tips reach us at tui podcast at timesinternet.in